The scripture reading this morning is a very familiar psalm, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. It's a psalm of David. It is a beautiful psalm which describes God's revelation, both in creation and in the Bible. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day unto day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins and that let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The word of the Lord is pure and righteous altogether. Before we open this Beautiful passage, let us seek his guidance in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your marvelous revelation. For the heavens above, the firmament, for all your creation, and especially for your Son, who is the Word of God, and the Scriptures, your inscripturated Word. Lord, we pray that we may honor and magnify it, and may we grow by it. And may we spread it, and share it, and love it, and worship you, O Lord. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at this beautiful psalm, which in one beautiful psalm encompasses the whole of God's revelation. That's a wonderful thing. This psalm is composed of two parts. The one part deals with the revelation of God in nature, creation, 
And the second is His Word, His revelation in the Bible, the Scripture. And so the Lord really has never let us, left us without a witness. And that's such a wonderful thing that the Lord gives us what we need to know in order to live and die happily. He gives us that knowledge through His Word, through His creation. Now there's something very interesting about this psalm, and that is this. It is divided into two parts. There are 14 14 verses in one part, and there's 14 in the second part. The name of God in the first part is is God, the Creator. The Hebrew word is Elohim. Elohim. That's the word you find in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And that name of God is Elohim. The powerful Creator God. But in verse... Uh, 7, which begins the second part of the psalm, the name of God is not Elohim, but it is Yahweh, or Adonai, translated Lord, or in older translations, it is Jehovah. That is his covenant name. And so the first part dealing with creation is God's powerful name, Elohim, the Creator. And the second part is God's covenant name, Jehovah, the Lord, who is the I Am that I Am. That is in the second part of the psalm. It's very interesting, and it's very beautiful to see how the psalmist connects God's powerful name with creation and God's covenant name with His Word, with His revelation of Himself in the Word of God. So that's very important for us to see those two beautiful distinctions. So let's look first at creation and then at His Word revelation. The psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. This is something that is going on all the time. Day and night, God is revealing Himself by means of His great creation. It happens day and it happens at night. It is perpetual. It is a constant, uh, a constant repeating of Him and His glory and His power, His majesty, so that no one is without excuse. Now this creation, it does not tell us about the love of God. You will never hear about the love of God if you spend all kinds of time in the, in the forest or by mountains. It doesn't tell you that God is love. 
It doesn't tell you that God cares for you, that He loves you, that there's a personal relationship with us and our Heavenly Father. That, that is not something that is revealed in nature. What is re- revealed in nature is His glory, His deity, His handiwork, His care and His keeping for His creation. That is all very clearly seen. And the more you study it, the more you learn about it. But a person can study the creation his whole life and never come to salvation by means of creation. Creation does not reveal God's love in Jesus Christ. It is not capable of doing that. So if someone says, I'm not going to church, I'm not going to study His Word, I'm just going to be out in creation and, and, and walk and enjoy the beautiful creation, and that's going to be it, that is not enough. They are without excuse, that's for sure. They're without excuse, because they know that there's a Creator. Because the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, the whole creation design, shows that there is, a, there is an intelligent design behind it. All of creation reveals that. Like I said to the children, who would think that a caterpillar crawling in the, in the springtime would turn into a beautiful butterfly? I mean... That is not something that can just happen. That is due to God's design. It's God's plan. It's God's wisdom. All of that is clearly seen in His creation. And there's a beautiful harmony in all of creation. There's a marvelous harmony. And the more you study it, the more you're just amazed by it. That's a wonderful thing. And here's something that I have always enjoyed very much, and that is Christian education, in which the teacher is allowed by law to explain creation to the students. We're able to do that in a Christian school. You can't really do that in a public school, although when I was a kid... The public schools did allow that. But today it is, not, it is frowned upon in the public square. It's to be neutral. And of course, nothing is really neutral. So I am very grateful that my parents saw to it that we had Christian schools from the beginning all the way through college and seminary. And that's very important to have An insight. When when do you learn this? You learn this as a child. And of course, we as parents have the first and the primary responsibility to teach our children this. We have that wonderful opportunity. And it is something which we must do all the time. Taking all kinds of opportunities to show our children 
that this great creation that God has made is what He has made, and that we are to see it, that we are to honor Him, we are to glorify Him through it all. That it's not just something that happened. It's not something that is just a, what you could say is just by chance. And yet that is really the dominant point of view in the educational system in our, in our country today. That it's all just by chance. Well, that couldn't be. That couldn't be. I remember when I studied this, that this illustration was given. Suppose there's a junkyard. A junkyard with all kinds of junk cars and other machinery in it, and a whirlwind comes through it, and out comes a 747 jetliner. You think that can happen? You think that's really something that could happen? Of course not. It's impossible. It couldn't be. This creation with all of its intricacies and all of its beauty and all of its interrelationships, everything that God has made is all there because He put it there. God created it. He spoke and it came to pass. He commanded and it stood fast. Creation itself is a marvelous book. It's an elegant book, an eloquent book of God's design of His beautiful nature. God is beautiful. And He's made a beautiful world. And He's made people in it. And everybody, every human being is precious from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. God puts it together. No human being could put together a body and a mind and a circulatory system and a nervous system and a skeletal system and our skin and all of the organs in our body all harmonizing together and working together. How is it possible? It couldn't just happen. Look at the human eye. Or look at a bird's eye. The eye of an eagle, which is so penetrating that it can see a mouse from way up in the sky. The eye. God made it. He made the human eye. He made the animal's eye, the bird's eye. He's done it. By the word of His power, everything works together. And it shows forth the beauty, the glory of our God. He is the one who's done it. And we read in the New Testament that it's Jesus that's done it too. Remember how John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
So Christ is the Creator, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are the Creator of this entire world and everything in it. So the psalmist is just rejoicing in that fact. He finds such joy in creation which reflects his, his, his Father's goodness and, and His power and His glory. And then the psalmist goes on and he says, everything that God makes is speaking, but it's not speaking loud language or speaking something you can hear. There is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world, but you do not hear it in words. It's silent. God's creation is a witness. It's a witness to, for those who have eyes to see and a heart to believe. It's a witness to the child of God. We hear it. That all nature sings and round us rings the music of the spheres. We know it. Do you know why? Because we know the Father, we know the Son, and we know the Holy Spirit. And because we know God, we recognize His voice, even though it is not heard in the sunrise, in the sunset, in the beautiful, beautiful mountains and oceans and seas and lakes and rivers. I mean, God's beauty is seen everywhere. But it's seen by those who know the Lord. And then the psalmist says something which the Apostle Paul picks up. Paul, uh, the, the psalmist says, Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. And he's talking about creation. But Paul says in Romans 10 verse 18, he applies that to the gospel. And he says the gospel has to go out and does go out through all the earth. The sun from morning till night shines throughout the whole world. Every, every area of the world is affected by the sun. And Paul says, now that's the same way it is with the Word of God, the Gospel. The Gospel goes out through all the earth, and that's the responsibility of the church, to make sure the Gospel does get out throughout the whole world. And then the psalmist uses two illustrations to describe the sun. The sun is, com is compared to a bridegroom. A bridegroom on his wedding day. The bridegroom gets up on his wedding day and he goes out to meet his bride. Is there joy? Is there a new sense of life? It's like a new day dawning. That's what it is. The psalmist says that's what it is in the morning. As the sun rises, it's like a bridegroom. 
coming out of His chamber. With delight, the sun rises at 8.08 this morning, the sun rose. It is a marvelous blessing. Every day again, there you see the sun. The second illustration, not only is it like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, but it's like a strong man, like, a, like an Olympian running a race. Like a strong man, he runs its course with joy. So the whole day, the sun just goes from east to west, and it's like a champion running. You can't stop it. It just goes and goes and goes. It's perpetual. Day after day, night after night, God is pouring out His knowledge. And then the psalmist comes to the second part, which is His Word. And a different name for God. Not Elohim, the mighty Creator, but it's Jehovah, the I Am that I Am. And he says this, The law of the Lord is perfect. And he uses seven descriptions for for the revelation of God in His Word. Seven. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Seven descriptions. And each one is a is, is a sentence, and there's an echo that follows that sentence. Each time there's an echo. There's a word and then an echo. The first word is the law of the Lord is perfect. The echo is reviving the soul. The second, the testimony of the Lord is sure. The echo, making wise the simple. The third, the precepts of the Lord are right. And then the echo, rejoicing the heart. Then the commandment of the Lord is pure. The echo, enlightening the eyes. Then the Lord, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever is the echo. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Oh, what a marvelous gift the the Lord has given us in His Word. The law of the Lord is perfect. Now the word law there does not just simply mean the Ten Commandments. Nor does it only mean the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. No, it's not just that. It's His whole revelation. The whole word revelation of God, says the psalmist, is perfect. It's perfect. You know what perfect means? There are no errors in it. The law of the Lord, His word is absolutely perfect. It's infallible. It's ir- it, it's inerrant, without error. It's perfect. You can't improve something perfect. Perfect is absolutely a hundred percent. 
Paul picks that up in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It flowed forth from God. It was God-breathed. God breathed out that Word. That Word is pure. It's perfect. Let no one lay any charge against the Scripture and say there's all kinds of errors in it. No, no, no. The Bible is pure. The Bible is perfect. Perfect is God's Word. That's how He describes it. It's perfect. And you know what it does? It revives the soul. It brings life to the soul. Do you know how a person is saved? They're saved by the Word of God. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1. That's how we're born again. It's the Word that creates life in us. The Word is powerful. It's perfect. It gives us new life. So Peter says, we were born again, not with corruptible seed, but with the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's such a marvelous truth that this Bible that you and I have in our hands is perfect and it's powerful to give life. That's why we have to teach our children the Word of God. And we have to spread the Word of God because it's life-giving. It revives the soul. It brings life out of death. The Word is perfect and it revives the soul. The second thing he says is this, the, the Word of, or the testimony of the Lord is sure. That's another way of saying perfect. It's sure. It's certain. It's stable. It is powerful. It is sure. It's a sure foundation. It will never fail you. That word will never fail. And then the echo of that one is making wise the simple. Now, you know what that word simple means? It means a person who is teachable. Who is teachable. Who doesn't come to the Scripture with preconceived notions that this old historic book has got all kinds of errors in it. No, no, no. That is not the way to read the Bible. We read the Bible in faith. And the faith is being sure of what this Word says. It's a faith that says this Word is perfect, it's sure, and all these other beautiful descriptions. That's what it is. And it makes wise the simple. It gives us wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is more than knowledge. It is certainly knowledge, but it also is the application of knowledge is wisdom. A person can be very book knowledge, have a lot of book knowledge, 
but not have wisdom. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. The Lord is the source of wisdom. That Word of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Paul picks that up too in 2 Timothy when he says to Timothy, From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in Jesus Christ. Yes, the Word of the, of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. And then he goes on and he says, the word of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord is pure. It's pure. It's clean. And it shows how to live a clean life. And enlightens the eye. It gives brightness to your eye. It gives clarity to your vision. It gives truth to you. Truth in the inward parts. That's wisdom. And the heart of wisdom is seen in Jesus Christ. It is only through Him that we really may know God and may know His Word. Jesus is the one who gives us wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, which is a great book of wisdom, that wisdom is personified in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Jesus Christ was made unto us the wisdom of God. He gives us wisdom and insight and clarity and purity. Maybe there are some who are listening, maybe on the radio, who have not lived a pure life. And maybe they are saying to me right now, tell me how I can live a pure life. How can I get a cleaned up life? Well, there's only one way to get a cleaned up life, and that is by faith in Jesus Christ. Confess your sins to Him, and He will forgive us. The Word of the Lord is pure. It is pure, and it will enlighten your eyes. It will show you what is right, what is true, what is beautiful. What a wonderful thing that Word is. The Word of God, a wonderful treasure. And so we travel together, my Bible and I, the children like to sing. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand up alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The precepts of the Lord are right. They're right. There's no question about it. The precepts of the Lord are right, and you know what they do? What's the echo? Rejoicing the heart. When you know the precepts of the Lord are right, it makes you truly happy. Happiness is from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. No wonder the psalmist is so excited about this beautiful word. We're going to look at the rest of that next week. Oh, what a, what a treasure that the Lord has given unto us, that we have His word, that we have this creation. All in order to know Him better. Oh, may we know Him. 
May we love Him. May we grow in that that desire more and more to know Him. And may Jesus Christ truly live in our hearts. May He live in your heart, in my heart. And He will enlighten our eyes. He will give us joy. He will give us truth. And He'll never lead us astray. And everyone said, Amen. Lord, bless this word onto our hearts today. How blessed we are to have your revelation. Two elegant books, creation and your word and your Son, our Lord Jesus. Lord, bless us this day. Fill us with your Spirit. Forgive our sins in Jesus' name. Amen.